roll down tide. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, this is the Beer Garden presented by Oxford Crystal. Like to hear a little bit more conviction in your take, though. There was a lot of maybes, a lot of what ifs, a lot of questions. You need to just get on here. You need to fire and and put me in a position where I have to tell you that you're wrong. And now, here's your host, Neil McCready. Nice, nice. I'm your host, Neil McCready. On the show today, a 40-minute interview with Austin Barber. We talked about last night's presidential debate, the race as it goes forward, some Senate races, uh, what has to happen for uh, Trump to pull off yet another political upset, and what the world looks like from a political standpoint moving forward if he doesn't. We even touched on the Mississippi Senate race, Cindy Hyde-Smith versus Mike Espy, what that looks like here 10, 11 days or so uh, before the uh, before election day on November 3rd, 50 million Americans have already voted, which is just an absolutely incredible number. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that in just a minute. First, I want to tell you that we're I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. No hassle. No haggle, you get your quote, and uh, the rest is completely up to you. Uh, 662-257-1900. We're brought to you by the Oxford Crystal, Highway 6 West in Oxford, right next door to the Oxford Exxon, where you can get the uh, big meal deal, the big country meal deal, two country fried steak crystals and small tots, all for $4.99, the... uh, Good meal over the course of the weekend to watch some football. Also, the drive-through is open. Delivery is open with Uber Eats, Grubhub, Waiter, and DoorDash, and you can get the new Crystal Fan Swag. Uh, all of that uh, proceeds benefiting the Crystal Foundation. So get your sw- swag on when you go get the Southern style chicken strips and uh, more there at the Oxford Crystal Highway Six West in Oxford. We're also coming to you. On behalf of Community Mortgage, it's located in Oxford, Memphis, DeSoto County, and Chattanooga, more than 30 years old. It's one of the oldest mortgage companies in the Southeast. All the underwriting and processing is done in Memphis, so you're getting local underwriting that supports and understands your market. It's the leader in condo financing in the Oxford market as well. So ask Jason Lowe about Community Mortgage's float-down option, which allows you to lock in the current rate. But if rates go down before you close, you can get the lower rate. It's J-Lowe, J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. And we're brought to you by LB's Meat Market, 2008 University Avenue in Oxford. Get in touch with Greg Jones. Go by this weekend. All the freshest cuts in Oxford. Everything from spiny lobster to bone-in ribeye to fresh shrimp and seafood from the Gulf to uh, the best pork and chicken you can find anywhere in or around Oxford. House-made sausages, everything there at LB's, 662-259-2999 or 2008. University Avenue in Oxford. So now we go to the Rafters Music and Food Hotline and Austin Barber. Enjoy. Austin Barber, kind enough to join me here on this Friday morning. Uh, Austin, how are you? I'm fine. Good morning, Neil. Good to have you. Uh, let's get into the debate. Got, we're not, we're not going to do this. Uh, we'll, we'll stay 30 to 45 minutes. We'll get into it. Talk about what the, the shape of the race, what this looks like here 11 days out before the election. Some 50 million people have already voted, which is uh, an incredible number, frankly. It, it tells you I don't think turnout's going to be an issue in this election on both sides. Um, 
Let's start with the debate. The first debate was a clown show, a disaster. I think we all would agree with that. This one was much more of a traditional presidential debate. I thought that the moderator did a, a solid to good job. Uh, just your overall general thoughts on what we as Americans got to see last night. Yeah, I mean, it felt like a debate that Americans uh, are used to watching, at, particularly at the presidential level. I, hell, I don't know what happened three weeks ago. I mean, <laughs> it was a street fight that should have never have, have broken into that. And, and honestly, it, it was it hurt President Trump. Uh, it was worse for him than it was for Joe Biden. People had the bar set so low for Joe Biden because, he, you know, he has really struggled um at times when he has gone out uh, to do campaign events or do press events, even though the press typically is very passive with him, but Biden has, has struggled at times. Um, so, but he, he cleared the bar just because he showed up and didn't fall asleep in debate one. Trump obviously clearly lost it, uh, both literally and figuratively, um, d- debate one, and it hurt him. And then he canceled the second debate um, but he, he, I, 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 he, listen, I thought, as I just said, I, it was clear Trump lost the first debate. Anybody could have said that. I thought he clearly won the debate last night, which he really needed to. I tweeted this a couple of times. Um, I, I, I assumed that this was his plan and it was a good plan, um, that he just needed to be quiet and let Joe Biden use all of his time. Make Joe Biden get up there and answer these questions. Make Joe Biden have to remember his debate his debate prep talking points, make Joe Biden have to get up there and talk about these issues in detail because he's going to make a mistake. And boy, did he make a mistake last night. He made a huge, we'll get get into that talking about fossil fuels. Let's get there right now because I, we were, we were watching and you know, I was in the living room with my wife, we were watching the debate and, and we were glued to it at first. And then as it goes on, you know, you both sort of get into your social media and, uh, Biden basically comes out. No, basically to it. He comes out and says he he wants to end well, the oil uh, industry. Which I was like, whoa, well, hold up. That this is a big moment. I told Laura. I said, whoa, are you listening to this? This is a massive moment. Trump caught it. The moderator caught it. And I thought I thought Biden walked right into a trap right there. And Listen, we, we can do all that. We'll talk about the, the, the laptop and all of that stuff, and we'll talk about COVID and all of that stuff, but that was a, a monumental moment in an election that could swing on a handful of swing states, including Pennsylvania and Ohio, two states where the oil industry, the petroleum industry is a big deal. Well, there's no question. He said two things last night, and really one of them he said in a variation twice which, of course, will lead with it, which is the big thing, which is I want to get rid of us using uh, fossil fuels. The first time he said it last night, he said by 2025. Later, he said 2035. I don't know how the hell he could expect that it could be done by 2025. I don't know how it could ever be done by 2035, but who knows what technology will take us. I'm not for any of that. But um, so, you know, he's stepping on his message right there. Uh, which is already obviously not what he wanted to walk away from. And then the second thing he said was, I never said, um, I never said that I want to do away with fracking. Well, he'd said it about 17 different times during the Democrat presidential uh, primary. 
and and of course he was pushed to left by Bernie Sanders, uh, by Elizabeth Warren, you know, by all of you know the folks who were by his own running mate, um, Senator Harris. You know, they are more left than Joe Biden than Joe Biden is, but they have drug him to the left, and so very smartly. And look, I don't. The Trump campaign has made plenty of mistakes. The president has made plenty of mistakes during this campaign. So please don't take this as I'm only, you know, trying to say that Joe Biden has been the one to make mistakes. We're talking about last night. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the president is in this situation where he's down this much because of the, some of the mistakes that he has made. Um, so, but, but, but back to my, my point, this was a tremendous mistake last night, um, both on the fracking comment, because the president's campaign has immediately come out with a really good ad that goes, oh, you you said put it on our website? Well, here it is. Bam, 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 bam. All these different times where he said that. And it does matter in certain parts of Pennsylvania, and it does matter in certain parts of Ohio. Um, so we'll see. But the oil and gas comment, we're going to completely get rid of fossil fuels by 2025 or 2035, whatever that is. That is a freaking huge deal because if whether you live in minnesota or mississippi you're kind of thinking that's a bit radical yeah well at one point austin i'm for that at one point austin he he referenced basically plug-ins on the side of the road and i thought you know we're, (laughs) we're nowhere close to this and i'm not saying that again i'm with you look full disclosure i mean you know my wife uh makes some money off oil royalties uh, you know, it's been a rough year from that perspective with uh, COVID and the shutdown and all of those things. That being said, I, I mean, I, I'm i with you. I mean, obviously, technology is going to take us to a different place. Maybe one day we'll all be the Jetsons flying around. Um, but but right now, that's it's hard to imagine a uh, a world where we're not still to at least some degree in 2025, which is four years away, that we're not still dependent at least to some degree and likely to a large degree on fuel. It, it's, yeah. it's, almost, it's almost impossible to imagine that world here on October the 23rd, 2020. Oh, no, I, I, I agree. But listen, I, I think I saw this stat last night. 11 million people, 11 million people, I sound like Trump, I'm repeating it, work in the <laughs> oil and gas industry. A lot of those people are in Mississippi. A lot of those people were in Jones County, Wayne County, you know, down in the Pine Belt, um, or or guys, um, you know, who who work offshore. Who, if you go to the Jackson Airport, and and you know, we all fly to the Jackson Airport or the Memphis Airport, you get on an early flight, you're going to see them getting on those planes because they're flying to New Orleans, they're flying to Houston, they're flying to Dallas, not Dallas, but and and they're you know going yeah. to get on them. Uh, going to get on a boat to take them out to an oil or, or a helicopter, take them out to an oil platform, whatever it is that takes them out there. So that's a huge deal. And it just is, it's just, it's a radical statement. And that's going to hurt him. Now, the biggest question is, Neil, will the president be able to stay on message? We're 11 days from, from November the 3rd. Will the president be able to use this as one of his central things to say over and over and over and over? And if I'm a betting man, I say no, because yeah. he's always unable to stay on message. But hopefully he think, hopefully he sees if I'm going to win, which obviously 
he doesn't like losers. He's got to use this as one of his central themes and just say it over and over. And whatever television that they're they're doing, uh, his campaign's got to use that digital mail phones. Drive this thing home, and and hope that it pulls you closer in Pennsylvania and in Ohio. Those are two states he he has to win, particularly Ohio. And they're two states that he's down in right now, if you believe public polling, which I do. Yeah, I think um, he's down, so. but he's not down a lot. And that's where I, I was surprised. Look, everyone gets hung up on national polls. And I get it. I mean, it, it's a snapshot of the nation. And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying they're not worthy of, of review. They are. But if I'm running a presidential campaign, it's an electoral college. And I'm looking, of course. At, I'm looking at the electoral college data and, you know, if you're down 28 in California, it doesn't really matter. Um, if you're only down one, one and a half in Ohio or, you know, two in Pennsylvania or, or 0.6 in Wisconsin, well, those are races that are obviously very much in play. And I'm beating that. I'm doing – there's two things if I'm advising Trump today, which is a laughable um, concept. One is I'm doing exactly what you just said. We're, we're, we're talking about what Biden said about fuel, and then I'm saying what I'm doing about that industry. And then the second opening that I thought Biden gave him yesterday was very early in the debate. I'll give credit to – is it Kristen Welk? Is that her name? I'll give credit to her. She stayed on this. Um, they spent a lot of time on COVID. I think the nation has COVID fatigue, but the media doesn't. The media loves COVID. They love it. And Biden would not rule out another shutdown. Trump did. And I think that that is a spot where if you're Trump, you can hammer that home. The fear of, because there's a fear in this country that started in March and April, Austin, the fear started with fear of catching the virus. And now I think, the masses, the fear is no longer just the virus. Now the fear is more the fallout of, of, of another, the thought of another shutdown is yeah. just, I mean, just imagine it in your own mind for a minute and see what happens to your gut. That's how America feels. They don't want one of those. And Joe Biden did not rule one out at all last night. And if I'm Trump, I'm hammering that. Yeah, and I think Trump made a mistake on that last night because Biden, I remember Biden saying, I don't know, weeks or months ago, that if the scientists, if the, you know, if the healthcare professionals tell me that I need to shut the country down, I'll shut the country down. It was just clear as day. Same as he said, yep, I'm against fracking. Trump did not say that. That was a that would have been a perfect pivot pounce uh, point for uh, opportunity, not point, excuse me, for Trump to say, no, Joe, you did say this. This is exactly what you said. And he kind of alluded to it, but he didn't hit him. But that's, a, that's whatever. Hey, let me read you this tweet. Yeah, sure. Because we, we just talked about um, what Trump has to do. And I don't know that he can because he's just undisciplined as a speaker. He's going to say what he wants to say. Um, and we talked about the one of the biggest things being this oil and gas issue. This is from Ari Fleischer, of course, who was comms director for, for George W. Bush. And is a great follow on Twitter. I'm not going to take credit for this, but he's, he gets really a very common sense tweet that he tweeted two hours ago. Trump has one job left, and it's simple. Drive home the difference between an outsider with results and a typical politician with no results who keeps moving left. That's the race, and that's the choice. The president made the case last night. Now he needs to drive it home. 
and I and I, that's the end of the tweet. And and, and Ari is right. That's the other side of this sort of if we're on parallel tracks or what Trump's message has to be. Obviously, you know, and maybe it's multiple parallel tracks. One is this huge mistake that Biden made on on oil and gas. Two is he did go to this last night. Look, you were VP for eight years. You've been an elected official in Washington for 47 years. What have you done? You say you want to do all these things. Well, what the hell have you done? You know, I've been here for four years uh, and I've done A, B, C, and D. He has to continue to drive that home. And then I would say thirdly is he's got to he's got to go back and talk about more about the economy of look what the Trump economy did, um, you know, before COVID hit and I can do it again. So it's pretty simple. Those are the things that try to give him a shot. But we do keep coming back to this. Will he stay on message? And I just don't know that he can. So let's get to the elephant in the room, because I think this is going to be the temptation for Trump. He And he spent a lot of energy on it last night. In fact, the opportunity that, that he wasted last night, he instead of pivoting to, you know, Joe or Mr. Vice President, you said you would shut the country down. He got into the laptop, the Hunter Biden story that the media refuses to cover. The New York Times finally acknowledged it this morning to some degree because it's becoming obvious that there's more to this, that the story is at least worth exploring. It, it can no longer be just, just thrown away and said, oh, this is Russian propaganda. Very clearly is not Russian propaganda. There's more to it than that. I'm not saying it's, it's necessarily damning of the vice president or that it's not. I don't know, but it's worth exploring. Trump and Trump world is going to be obsessed with it. Your opinion as a political person, how much should Trump, focus on this how much does this story potentially shape a race here in the last 11 days or is it a or is it a distraction even for the president i think it's a distraction look this is just my gut i've seen no polling on this and certainly i'd be pulling the hell out of this trying to figure it out focus group in this trying to determine if this is a message that really moves people remember and and we should have led with this and this is my fault 50 million people, you did say that, 50 million people yeah. have already voted. Yeah. 127 million people voted in 2016. Um, you know, there are a lot more people that are left to vote, but 50 million people have voted. So I, I just, I don't know, man. I, I think that I, I, here's what I do know from doing politics for a long time, doing campaigns and elections for a long time. Most voters think that politicians are all, eh, you know, have the, have indiscretions to some to some levels of deg- different degrees. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Most voters sometimes will shrug their shoulders when they say, "Your son was this, your wife did this, your brother did this, you took this money." Most voters go, "Yeah, all politicians do that kind of shit," you know, and and they just kind of shrug their shoulder. Um, what should happen is. We, we should have a media that should go and investigate this instead of saying, nope, this is some BS story. We're not going to go look at it. I mean, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if it's real or not. I have no reason to believe it either way. But but I also don't I also have no reason to believe that it should not be investigated. And that's what a free press is supposed to do. But they're not interested in doing that, obviously, because if it turns out to be real and if it turns out to be legitimate, it would obviously do damage to the vice president's campaign. 
and there's just not enough people in the media who are willing to to to, to carry that water. You've polled um, people and you've done focus groups. I'm curious is there is there any world? And I'm wondering when I look at this from a Democratic perspective, if I'm because obviously the strategy over the course of the week was to hide. Uh, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, look, if you're in the lead, sometimes if you're in this big of a lead or if Biden thinks he's in this big of a lead, sometimes the best thing you can do is just kind of play really conservative, yeah. if you will, hide in the bunker and and um, and, and run, run, out out, the clock. run out the clock. I do wonder if I'm if I'm consulting Biden and his team and if I'm in one of these tight Democratic if I'm in one of these tight Senate races, I do wonder if the refusal to really answer it and the media looking as complicit as the media looks has a chance to backfire on me. And so I'm wondering if I'm having a conversation about do we do we need to address this but or is it addressable? I mean, it's one of those things where I, I, I get running out the clock, but we've seen, to use the football analogy, we've seen teams blow leads by being too conservative. And you, you know what I mean? We've, we've, You've seen yeah, that happen in politics, seen, too. I can't remember if it was Les Miles or Nick Saban who who took a knee on the five-yard line with three minutes to go at Ole Miss. Um, <laughs> they were up so big. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this this is the problem for Biden. This is the issue for him. He really needs to be out there. Now I see Obama's going to Florida, and he's got his surrogates out there. But they're trying to thread this needle with him, they being his campaign, because they understand that they think they have this lead, and yeah, and, and they do have a lead. Um, now, I, 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 I do think this can I do think this election is going to end up being much closer than anybody is is feeling. Anybody is, has any of the pundits have uh, said that it's going to be. I think that's where we're headed. Uh, is back to a really close election night, um, but it's but we'll see. Yeah, it's close right now. I mean, I'm looking at some numbers on Real Clear Politics. It's uh, seven point nine percent is is the national average right now. Yeah. Now I looked at the this top morning. battlegrounds. It was ten, it's 4. and 1. I've been watching this a lot. Mm-hmm. It was ten two or three weeks ago, so it's heading in the right direction. Still a big lead. It is a national. Uh, that is that those are national numbers, and as you as you uh, stated, um, we have an electoral college, not a national election. But I do want to say this. Look, Real Clear Politics was right in 2016. So many people say the polls are wrong. The polls are wrong. The polls were not wrong at the very end. Hillary Clinton won the national popular vote by 2.1%. Real Clear Politics, the day before the election, was at 3.1%. That was one point difference well within the margin of error in polling which is usually two or three or four points. So I, I, I do trust the polls. Here's what's um, fascinating, the, Austin, along those lines. Yes, along those lines, if you compare 2020 to 2016, and this is where if you're the Biden camp, you have to get out and play some offense here. You're going to have to get a couple of first downs, I think. Yeah. Uh, right After now, last night, you are. Right now in the battleground states, if you just take those states, if you take the states that the Republicans are definitely going to win, you know, Alabama, Mississippi, you take away the states that the Democrats are obviously going to win, you know, California, Oregon, all that stuff. If you throw those out and you just leave the states that are up for grabs, it's about 181 electoral college numbers. Uh, He's only about half of a percent ahead of where Hillary Clinton was in 2016. That's... 
That's if I'm a Democrat, that's too close for comfort. I've got to get out there and listen. You know this. This is this. We get we in the media and and we all love to talk about former president stumping and we love to talk about the the, the other part of the ticket. This is Pete. You're voting Trump or Biden. Oh, yeah. Yeah, people no are doubt. voting the top of the ticket. Nobody's voting for Barack Obama. Nobody's voting for Mike Pence. People are voting for the top of the ticket. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And um, the other thing is, it's just, it's uh, it's going to be such a large turnout. I mean, I, my gosh, they, go look at Texas. Texas voted 9 million people four years ago. They've already voted five. Yeah, you know, we're doing. I'm doing a ballot initiative in Virginia this year, and doing a Senate race in North Carolina. I mean, early voting in those states. There's there's nearly a million people that have voted in Virginia already, and they typically have. They had four million people who voted four years ago. Um, the the problem for Trump, though, Neil, is he is he is really close in places like North Carolina, Arizona, Georgia. If you believe the polls. The last Q poll that came out in Texas, which was like two days ago, had him up one. Yep. He absolutely cannot lose any of those states. No, he's got to sweep those states. He's up. I'm looking at it right now. He's up uh, up four in Texas, but he's down 7.8 in Michigan, which would be a devastating loss. He's down 1.2 in Georgia, which I'm not sure I believe, Austin, if I'm honest. Oh, it's a different state, man. I believe it. I do. I've got some I've got some business partners over there, and there are two Senate races that are going on, and they said it's absolutely real. It is. I want to get to the Senate in a minute because at the end of the day, that might actually be yeah. more significant than, than the presidential race, though the presidential yeah. race gets the headlines. I will say this. I thought where I thought Biden did well and where the Republicans are just weak in debates – and they stayed on it long enough for for him to resonate some was healthcare it's it's an issue that trump has a difficult time in my opinion you feel free to tell me i'm an idiot he has a difficult time articulating his vision of what healthcare would look like under a second trump administration i'm not sure that biden does much of a better job of articulating it but he doesn't really have to because trump is is so weak there I think it's the biggest problem for Republicans, not just for Donald Trump, but for Republicans all across the country. I'm not sure what the health care message really is. I mean, besides saying, yes, we want to make sure that that those who have pre-existing conditions continue to have health insurance. And the other part of that is we are against socialized medicine. We do not want a nationalized government run health care program. I mean, go look at the VA. You want to see a screwed up healthcare program? Go look at the VA. All these guys and, and, and these men and women who are veterans having to deal with the VA. That is a government-run healthcare program. That's a disaster. But what's the solution? What is our solution? Hell, I don't know. And and that we we need some really smart people in Washington D.C. that are conservatives to to lead us on that. Trump doesn't know what it is. Let's be honest. That's that is a uh, that's an issue that he gets beat on. Um, that particular issue, he beats Biden on other things. Yeah, but you're it's smart of you to pick that pick up on that because I totally agree with you. It was the moments in that debate where the momentum that Trump was building dissipated, and he had to rebuild momentum. That's a it's a it's a weak spot for him. And if I'm Biden, I'm hammering it. 
over the yeah. next few days. I'm staying the, on that. That's right. The best the, the best news for Trump is it's not the biggest issue in America right now. He, you know, healthcare. Thank goodness for him. Um, I do want to talk Senate races, and we'll wrap with the presidency on the other side of it. There's a lot of races out there. I know you're involved in some of these. Uh, there's a, an opportunity or two for Republicans to gain a seat here and a seat there. But, man, there are a bunch of spots where Republicans are vulnerable and the Democrats have put a ton of money into these races and it looks like they have momentum. For the people who don't keep up with politics on a day-to-day basis, what are some of the races they need to be watching? Well, okay, North Carolina, there are two Senate races in Georgia. One is a special election uh, where Johnny Isaacson retired, and you're going to have you've got four people running. You've got four people running there. It will end up going uh, to a runoff, which will. I mean, Georgia's got re- like six week runoffs, which may not be um, obviously until mid December. That race could end up being you know who controls uh, who controls the majority in in the U.S. Senate. Um, but North Carolina, Tom Tillis is the Republican incumbent. That's a race that we're involved with. Cunningham um, right now is up 2.3, according to Real Clear Politics. Yeah, it would have been a race. Cal Cunningham, who's the Democrat, uh, uh, veteran, retired, young guy, would have won. But he had some personal issues that came out about three weeks ago that he did not handle very well, which has opened the door for the Republican to hold on. The Republican is not a super strong candidate in that race. Uh, Maine. Uh, Susan Collins, who's been in the U.S. Senate for a really long time, is very, you know, has a super tough race. Um, she obviously is a Republican. Iowa, Joni Ernst. Um, people may remember Joni Ernst. She did a, her, in her first campaign a few years ago. She did an ad. She's a hog farmer where she was uh, about to slaughter a hog, which would made, you know, made a lot of people. Uh, kind of squeal, yeah, she's but down, uh, it, it got uh, she, a lot of attention. She's down um, 1.8 to Greenfield, and that's one of those deals where she and the president are probably tied together a little bit, I would think. If he wins Iowa, she probably wins the race. If he doesn't win Iowa, she probably doesn't. Yeah, that's that's right. And the other race is that's very similar to that is in, um, is in Michigan, where John James is running uh, for the U.S. Senate as a Republican. And he and he's he is the challenger, and he's an African American, um, really smart guy, yeah, very uh, sharp. veteran. He, he ran two years ago, ran a really good race, barely lost. That would be a huge win for Republicans, a huge pickup in Michigan. But yeah, I mean, it's like if the president loses Michigan, what did you just say? He was down six or seven points there. Yeah, if and you, and Jones this morning is down five point two to Peters. Yeah. Um, I thought his last name was James. Did I say Jones? I meant James. Yeah. Yeah, you're about you were making me question myself. Um, yeah, I mean, so if the president loses by five or six points, how can he win? I, that's really difficult to do. But we'll see. Colorado, Corey Gardner, um, is is in a super super tough election. He's a Republican. So there are all these places: Arizona, uh, Montana, where Republicans are just trying to hold on. To these tough uh, Senate seats, and and you, you gotta you don't have to win them all, but man, you got to win a vast majority of them. Next door in Alabama, um, your favorite football coach Tommy Turville is probably going to win. Yeah, he's going to win. Um, he's going to yeah, win. Yeah, that 
that'll be a pickup for Republicans. So Republicans really only have two chances to pick up seats, Michigan, Alabama. Alabama's going to happen. Michigan's probably going to end up being a coin flip. And if you go lose all these others, and I think Republicans are either at 52 or 53 right now, it's going to be tight. If I was a betting man, um, I don't know where I'd say. This thing may end up 50-50. Republicans may be at 49 or 48. If, I made, if you made me bet today, I'd bet it goes 51-49 Democrats. I wouldn't want to bet against you. And listen, Americans, and we always forget this, like divided government, meaning they want a Republican or a Democrat in the White House and in the opposite party in the Senate and, and, and so on and so forth in the, in the U.S. House. So um, maybe we'll end it. If you're a Republican and you think Trump can't win, you better figure out a way to, to uh, cross your fingers to, to hope that the Republicans hold on to the U.S. Senate. But let me say this. Democrats have done a fantastic job of raising money. Mm-hmm. They've raised money three and four times more um, than Republicans have. Uh, I was given a stat the other day that Democrats have 13 or 14 million small dollar donors or just donors, period, through their at blue national fundraising programs. Republicans have about three or four million. So it that is why if you look in Mississippi, we've got a Senate race right here. Um, and I can't believe we just overlooked it. That's why Mike Espy has a chance against Cindy Hyde Smith is because the Act Blue National Democrat Fundraising Program has brought millions of dollars into here, into Mississippi, into Espy's campaign, giving him a chance to get on television a month out, six weeks out, eight weeks out, to give him a chance to try to beat Hyde Smith. If you're handicapping that race right now, though, let's do a football thing here. Hyde Smith is a what point favorite? Well, I'm a, I don't want to do that, but I'll just say I think she wins by five or eight. Okay. She won by seven and a half to eight two years ago. Uh, I think a couple, three weeks ago, that race was really close. Um, she has come out and started contrasting with SB on television. You know, he's this, I'm this. When um, I think that's helped her kind of get back into a, a little bit more comfortable uh, situation. So I'd say she's a nine point favorite. If I was, tr- if you had to make me try to uh, correlate yeah, that to a football betting yeah, spread, that's fair. And, and nine point favorites lose, but they don't lose often. Yeah, and I, I think yeah. I think she, I think Trump carries her. There's going to be a big turnout oh, in Mississippi, yeah. and and it's still a conservative state, and and, and yeah. people are going to. And Neil, last night was good. For all of these people that we just talked about, all these Republicans who were holding on for dear life in these Senate seats or these House seats, it was a good night for them because the president made a lot of Republicans who have been kind of squishy about him, who've asked questions about him, were like, oh, my God, what did he just say? Made them go, uh, yep, I'm voting for him. I'm, I'm voting for him. I'm going. I'm going to go vote for him. Um, because they're also going, I can't be for, I, I mean, I, I can't just not go vote because here's damn Joe Biden out there saying he's going to get rid of fossil fuels. We, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to be relying on fossil fuels anymore. Um, and the more so I that, think about that, yeah, the more ahead, I think sorry. his people, his people must have absolutely died in the moments that he said that, I mean, they were probably thinking, well, we've almost gotten to the finish line here and, and he was running out of gas at the end. Yeah. I mean, he was not. He was not as energized at 90 minutes as he was at nine minutes, for example. And and that was a gaffe. That was a, a big mistake on his part. Yeah, I don't know, though, man. I bet there are, I bet he has a divided – look, the senior people, and I 
been told this by um, folks who know the Biden world. His senior people, you know, those are the ones who've been around him for a long time. They are much more, um, they're not the hard AOC Bernie Sanders left. But you know he's got some in, that, in, his, in his orbit, in his campaign, in his yeah, senior his, his running operational mate. structure, his running mate, who were high-fiving when he said it, because that's what they really believe. Now, the other ones who would, you know, the political people are like, golly, we just got to win. Shut up. So that's and that's how his white if he wins, that's how his White House will be very divided on, on those on the left and those who want to you know, be more towards the center. Were you surprised at all that two topics didn't come up? One was the age of both of these men. These are both. Um, Trump is what, 74? Biden is 78? Um, these, you know, when, when Ronald Reagan ran, he was younger than both of these men and age was a massive topic, a major topic. I was surprised that didn't come up. And then I was surprised a little bit disappointed was probably the better word because I think the American people deserve an answer here and a firm one. His, I would like to know Biden's stance on the record on packing the court. And I don't mean forming some commission because that's a cop out. What is, what is your stance on packing the Supreme court we're going we as a country appear, appear to be uh we're going to confirm uh Amy Comey Barrett on uh, Monday or Tuesday so uh, the the court is is going to be back to 9 that's a significant accomplishment for the Republicans for Trump obviously it was something they wanted to get done before the election it appears they're going to get it done but but packing the court becomes a major topic and it didn't come up at all last night unless i missed it yeah i, I think the age one would have been a you know if either one of you guys win you'll be the oldest uh, person ever be elected president. I guess Reagan was the oldest. At, I think he was sixty nine. Um, I don't know. Maybe Trump was. We had to go. I'm. I'm. I, anyway, I'm not sure the exact details of that. But I know Reagan was sixty nine when he got elected. Um, and obviously, he aged. You know, uh, not great in in his second term. Considerably. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, it it would have been a fascinating question to ask, just to see how they answered it. You know, Trump would have laughed it off and said he's the healthiest president to ever be in office or yeah, something like that. Yeah. But it would have been interesting to see what he said and, of course, to see what Biden said. Um, maybe Biden would have come out and said, I only plan on serving one term, which I don't know how he could serve two, serve two terms. But it would just it, that would have been a fascinating question that wasn't a gotcha question, wasn't a pro-Trump or pro-Biden question. I, I'm with you, man. That, well, that the question with Biden, good. Austin, would be: you've you've spent the last five days out of the public li- out of the public light, supposedly preparing for this debate. As president, you really can't disappear for five days. Do you? Do you have the um do wherewithal? You, the wherewithal, stamina. the stamina to, to to handle this job. This is a no matter what party you are, this is a difficult job. I mean, you look at. You know, you look at the pictures of George W. Bush the day that he was inaugurated and look at the picture yeah. of George W. Bush eight years later, the same for President Obama. The, yeah. You know, I mean, the same for George H.W. Bush. You go look at the pictures of him, what four years in office did to him from an aging standpoint. You mentioned Reagan, who went from being a, a kind of a, a, a bouncing cowboy to this geriatric man. I mean, it, it is it is a brutal gig. So I, I think it's a topic that was worth coming up. All right. I want, I want to get to a couple last things. Um, first, give me a scenario where Trump pulls the upset. 
What what has to happen for Trump to pull the upset? Um, he's got stale message. He has to stale message. We talked about that plenty enough. What his message should be. Um, that that is uh, that's tremendously important. Um, he he's got to he's got to sweep all of these states that we just talked about. He can't lose Arizona. He can't lose Texas. He can't lose Georgia. He can't lose North Carolina. He can't lose Florida. He could lose Michigan uh, and still win it. Can't lose Ohio. Um, th- those kinds of things have to happen. And look, Biden's got to make another big mistake. He's got to make another big mistake, um, like he did with you know we're gonna we're gonna move completely move away from fossil fuels by. 2025 or 2035 or, you know, he, both, he said both dates. Those things have to happen. So stay in on message. You got to You got to make sure you don't lose these states that you just can't lose if you're a Republican running and you need Biden to step in it on some other big issue. And then final thing, let's assume that we're both right and that Biden is elected president in 10 days or 11 days, whatever it is. Where does the Republican Party go from here in a post-Trump world? What's the what's the path? Let me do say this though: I think Biden's going to win, but I will say this is a much closer race. Whatever today is, the twenty third, the twenty second. I don't even. I think today's the today's 23rd, the twenty third. Yeah. Then it was three days ago, seven days ago, fourteen days ago. Yeah. This thing has trended the right way, as you just said. This the, the scenarios that Donald Trump would need to give himself a chance to win on election day. Um, where does the Republican party go? It just, who knows? It, it, it will be, get your popcorn. It will be super interesting to see where it goes. I think so much of that will be determined on what happens on, on election day. Do we lose the Senate? Do we, do we, do, do we fall deeper into the minority in the house? Are we losing, you know, governor's races that we shouldn't have lost? Did Trump just really lose Arizona or Georgia or North Carolina or Florida? Oh, my God, did he only win Texas by, you know, three quarters of a point? So much matters. So much of what happens with the future of the Republican Party, if Donald Trump loses on November the 3rd, really depends on how he does that night and what happens with the Senate, what happens with governor's races. And what happens with the Electoral College. Austin, as always, man, thank you so very much. I really appreciate it. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye-bye. That was Austin Barber. That does it for this episode of The Beer Garden, presented by Oxford Crystal. We will uh, be back next week, I hope, with another edition of The Beer Garden. Probably maybe talk some more politics, maybe talk about some NFL. There's some things we need to get to that we... I've had a hard time uh, getting scheduled here on the show. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, take care.